0: I think it's true to an extent that we do create our own reality. I think maybe a more gentle or realistic way to say that is our perspective influences the way that we see and interact with the world. Our past experiences influence how we see things, how we act about things, how we see people. You create your own reality, completely ignore something huge. All the stuff at a systemic level. So that includes racism, and that includes fatphobia, that includes colonialism, that includes sexism, oppressive system. Like all of that deeply creates our reality. Welcome to the Empowered Spirituality Podcast. Join me, your host, Samantha Nagel, a certified integrative nutrition health coach, poet, witch, and work in progress for grounding meditations, inspiring interviews, and reflections about spirituality, holistic health, and the world around us. Join in every Thursday as we explore what empowered spirituality means to us in today's world. Everyone, this is another episode of the Empowered Spirituality Podcast. You may have noticed that last Thursday there was no interview episode. Um, that's just because I needed a little bit of a break, and also maybe had some technical issues. <laughs> so hopefully, you'll see one this Thursday in a couple days. Uh, this. Podcast episode is going to be about manifestation and the law of attraction Um, from a what I like to say or what I hope for a balanced perspective. I am someone who utilizes the law of manifestation or the law of attraction and manifestation at times. And I think those who like me identify as a witch also would. Probably say that they use manifestation in their lives and their practice as well. Um, but I also have some beef <laughs> with, um, not even necessarily the law of attraction, but, and like the way people have been using it, the way it's been kind of commercialized. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's close to the right word. <laughs> so that's okay. Um, Yeah, so I'm going to talk about what it is as well as like what I think is awesome about it and what I think is not so awesome and or what people kind of get wrong in the retelling of it. So yeah, let's dive in. Um, So the, the way that the law of manifestation works, or sorry, the law of attraction works is essentially like attracts like. So you will attract into your life, whatever you focus on is kind of the idea of the law of attraction, which I think, and it also kind of states that we're all energy, we're all vibrations, and that also things that we're attracting are also vibrations. So people, um, relationships, I guess, that's people too, careers are just full of people, money is energetic, right? That's all stuff that the law of attraction or people who use it will say. Um, And I think that's all fine. (laughs) Um, So the law of attraction has other laws or statements under it, one of which is the law of manifestation. I think that's why I kept saying that. So that states that thoughts and feelings create our reality. So whatever we are thinking and feeling, that creates our reality. Um, It also states that, or uses the statement that our reality is subjective to us. And my reality is different than your reality, is different from another person's reality, and that what makes up those realities are basically our experiences. And like, sounds like specifically our inner experiences. It also states that your desire to achieve or attract a certain thing or situation must be strong and unyielding in order to manifest. So that your desire has to be kind of full, full body, full hearted, um, in alignment with what you really desire, which I like. I also like the norm, hmm, the normalization of desires there, um, and like. I said, hmm, because I think in one way desires are super normalized um, and like too accessible to us to have desires because that's kind of a part of capitalism and a part of like, like desires can get unhealthy is maybe what I'm trying to say. And at the same time, I think a lot of us were taught that our desires are not, I don't know, not good, not. Worthy that we aren't even supposed to have desires that we should be grateful for what we have, you know. So I could see it going both ways, um, and I feel like the personal development space can kind of say things like, you know, you're meant for more. You need to hustle for more. If you want more, then it's you. You deserve it. Um, and there's a fine line too. And then there's like kind of a colonizing aspect too of thinking that just because you desire something, you deserve it. Um, and at the same time, I also see it's worthwhile to say that you deserve what you desire and that your desires are worthy. So I, I can see both sides. Um, and I can see one side getting toxic very quickly or getting out of balance really quickly. And I think You'll notice in this episode where I explore my thoughts on the law of attraction and manifestation, balance is really, and nuance, is really the thing that I think is key here. And for most things, honestly. um, And one of the things I think is missing the most (laughs) in conversations that are popular around the law of attraction. And also mostly the desires are material that people encourage you to manifest or that you see people talking about manifesting, it's often like success, which again, very subjective, like success in business, financial, um, like things like a house or a relationship, which I have thoughts about that and I'll get to, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't necessarily see a lot of like peace, um, comfort, feeling of safety, you know, so I'm, yeah, just something that I'm noticing that seems very, um, ingrained in capitalism. They are a lot of the desires that we want to manifest are very material, but I mean, and also at the same time, material desires certainly are not bad. Um, and wanting to manifest a house is certainly not a bad thing or wanting to manifest a relationship or a, don't know, something is not bad. Like things aren't bad. Things are neither bad nor good. I think it's when we kind of worship things that it becomes a little bit unhealthy, but that wasn't the point (laughs) of this episode. Um, There's also the law of delicate balance, which is appreciation and gratitude. And with appreciation and gratitude, we call in more of what we are appreciative and grateful for. And the more, you know, it's kind of a cycle, the law of delicate balance, which I, I love, actually. I, I do feel like, you know, either from just a psychological, subconscious point of view, when we are grateful, the more we're grateful, the more we're grateful, <laughs> um, the more that we can expand our mind about what we should be grateful for or could be grateful for the more that we are the more things we see to be grateful for and our perspective can shift and with pers- perspective shifting i think our subconscious shifts as well and um i think there's also that like energetic component to that too for sure um i think it can be hard when people know this and it's like really forced so they're like i'm grateful for the car i'm going to get wink wink Like, I don't know if they really are, (laughs) you know, like, I I think, I don't know. I think, again, that like wasn't super meant for that. I don't know. Um, Another law is living in harmony with others. The more that we can live in harmony, the more that we can manifest and attract what we desire. I mean, I don't know, but I love that. (laughs) I love striving to live in harmony with others. That's great. Um, Focusing on right action and kindness. So the more positive energy essentially that we put out there, the more that we get back. I absolutely think that's true. Um, And I feel like just a a little example of this is about two weeks ago, I was uh, premenstrual and I was having like a flare up of my PMDD symptoms, which had gone away for quite a few months. Um, and honestly, it just a side note, it just went away from self-care and a couple um, like herbs and such, but it mostly just went away just from the self-care and, and the honoring the cycles. But anyways, it had come up again and it I'm not surprised because there was a, a definite lack of self-care. <laughs> um, anyways, it was day 19, which is always my edgy day. Um, And I was in a really grumpy mood, and I was, like, not so nice and not so kind, not so right action. Um, And my partner slowly became more and more grumpy to where he matched my mood. Um, And that could have been, like, just simply because I was being a brat (laughs) that like it wore down his good mood like that's for sure possible but I also think energetically it has something there's something there too like he was picking up on that I was setting the tone of that I was like it's kind of like a boomerang so no matter the reason no matter what reason you want to put for that I totally think it's true that like whatever you're throwing out, you typically get back. Um, yeah. (laughs) And it was like that for a whole (laughs) weekend. Um, the other law is, um, I forgot what the word was like the law of blank, but it basically was looking for and recognizing signs from the universe. Um, I'm totally someone who believes in signs. I also believe that we can be like sign happy (laughs) and think that things are signs when they're not. And I'll just share a little bit more about that. My kind of framework for this is if it feels like a sign, it is one. So let's say like your reaction to seeing the quote unquote sign is what's really the sign. So let's say you say to yourself, if I see a butterfly, that means I'm going to quit my job. That'll be my sign. Um, And then you see a butterfly and you feel really disappointed because now you have to quit your job. That was a sign that you have to. Or you feel thrilled. You feel so grateful. You're so excited. You just got confirmation on what you wanted to do. Um, The feeling I think is the quote unquote sign. Like if you felt disappointed that you saw your sign, it doesn't mean you have to quit your job. That's not what the sign was. The sign was your reaction. If you felt disappointed, then I think that's your real sign. If you felt really grateful and relieved to get that sign, that's a sign that you're on the right track. Um, So that's kind of how I view it. I, you know, that happens to me all the time. If I'm like, Hey, you know, should I, should I order this or this for dinner if I'm at a restaurant? And someone says, I think you should order this. And I'm like, Oof, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and people are like, oh, why'd you ask? But it's like, I didn't know that until you made the decision for me. And I realized I didn't want to do that. So, you know, I think it's the same thing. And I also think there are, are real true signs. Sometimes things happen that I'm like, whoa, there, there's no explanation other than that being a sign. So I think that's totally true. And then I think some things are just things. (laughs) I do think, I do, I don't think everything happens for a reason. Um, I don't think everything has meaning. I do think things have meaning. Um, And I think there is like inherent randomness in the world and in the universe. So I don't know like where I put the line or, yeah, I don't know how to categorize what's what. But I do think there's both which again, like that nuance is really important to me in this conversation. So the three steps for manifesting are to ask for what you want. Um, And people usually say to ask with specificity, not just, I want success in my business. What is success? When do you want it? What do you want it to look like? How do you want it to feel? Blah, blah, blah. So ask with a lot of clarity. I didn't mean blah, blah, blah in a mean way. (laughs) I just meant it like etc, etc. The second step is believing that it will come to you so that there's also a little bit of surrender there. So I believe, what was my example? I believe that that XYZ success in my business will happen. I know it's going to happen. I believe it. I feel confident in it. I'm not going to wonder when it's going to happen. I'm not going to worry about it. I believe it. Uh, I have a confident belief, a secure belief. And then the third step is to receive. I think that's a lot of the surrender, maybe more of the surrender there, of saying like, I'm ready to receive this thing. I think worthiness has something to do here. I'm worthy of receiving this. I open myself up to receive. I, I put space in my life. Um, let's say my the example of business I'm going to use a different example. <laughs> I'm going to use an example of relationship. Maybe I ask for the my soulmate. Um, if I'm in a toxic relationship now or just not a good in alignment relationship, I make space by leaving that person and I open up space for, you know, what I just asked for to come to me or maybe <clears> – <throat> I get rid of clutter in my home because I'm manifesting a sofa. Those are all material, but they're the best examples I could think of in in this moment. <laughs> um, so, kind of clearing up that space, the worthiness, the trust, and I think that's all all really beautiful and and really great reminders for me that. Um, releasing, like to release control. I've talked about that a lot. Super hard for me <laughs> um, to release control and to be able to let things go and happen at their own timing. Um, so yeah, I think that's all really, really special. What I really love about this is the gratitude piece. Um, I, Like I said, I really do believe that the more we're grateful, the more we're grateful. And even if like, Let's say I'm so grateful for having my current sofa <laughs> because I know and and I'm like, oh, I want more of this. Please send me an even better sofa to be grateful for. Um, like let's say that sofa doesn't come. In the process, I've just, I guess, manifested a sofa that I love even if it was the same sofa. So I, I kind of like that gratitude can – can give you your manifestations, quote unquote, um, without you even having to get them. Like that's kind of a cool perspective. And like worst case, you were grateful. <laughs> like worst case. And I almost wonder too, if when you're grateful, you want less, When you, especially like material things. Like you have less to complain about. You're noticing the lack of things less because you're grateful. Um, I know when Aaliyah Lovely came on the podcast in... April, I think. (laughs) Um, one of my favorite episodes, she is one of my favorite spiritual teachers. So I don't know if I fully expressed like how freaking cool that was to talk to her. (laughs) Uh, It was very cool. That was one of those moments where I was like, are you sure? (laughs) Are you sure you want to come on? Um, um, but what was I going with that? Oh, she she described part of manifestation as healing the lack of that thing. So I, I think that has some overlap too. she's also very knowledgeable and I think she has a very balanced and nuanced and wise way to look at this. So if you want more, I would also recommend checking out her podcast, the spiritual shit podcast, or the episode she did with me. <laughs> um yeah, I love gratitude. Um, There's so much backing for the the power of visualization. Um, it's used in the psychology field. Um, people have been doing it for a long time and not calling it manifesting. Um, I don't have any studies pulled up, but I know that manifest or that visualization has been something that's been proved to be effective, or at least proved to be like healing. And I think yeah, that can be spiritual or psychological, kind of whichever one feels good. And I think, why do you have to pick, right? I love conversations about how science and spirituality are are not two opposite things. Perhaps they are linked. Perhaps, you know, science is a way that we explain parts of spirituality. Maybe spirituality are things that science hasn't proved yet, you know. So I don't think you have to choose between, oh, well, is it psychology or is it spirituality? Like, Whichever one works for you is good, but why can't it be both? It's kind of what I have to say about that. Um, So yeah, I think the process of visualization is really important, if not just to see and show yourself that you can do it. Like if you're visualizing the steps to getting your perfect sofa, you're also making a plan and you're watching yourself and feeling yourself through that plan, which is going to give you confidence and a roadmap and clarity on how you can do it not just that you can do it. Um, If it's visualizing confidence and security and safety, to visualize that is to experience those things. And once you experience it, you know you can do it or you can bring yourself back to that place easier and easier. So I'm a huge fan of visualization and kind of that like embodied experience as well. So you can visualize it in your mind, but you can also and maybe should also, I don't know, feel it into your body as well and feel what it feels like to be confident and secure. And when you can do those things, you know, you don't even have to manifest it because you are it right now. I think that's really cool. I love um, to be magnetic. They have a podcast called expanded. I don't know like a lot about them. I feel hesitant at this point in time, like recommending people without knowing, like without having followed them for a while and maybe even done some research on them, especially when it is white people. I do feel hesitant, especially the more I've learned. Um, I think doing the research on Teal Swan was really eye-opening because I hadn't heard of her, and I mentioned this on the episode I did, uh, the spiritual sovereignty one, I think in June it was. Um, it sounds right, (laughs) but, um, I don't know, I lost my train of thought, (laughs) um, but I wouldn't have known, like if I had followed her and liked her, I wouldn't have known that I, that she had some red flags there. So it kind of made me realize, oh, people can have really dicey and really interesting points of view or practices or red flags that I have no idea about. Which also at the same time, this is getting off topic, but at the same time, like, I don't think that makes anyone a bad person um, to like, to find out those things and realize that you had been following them or you liked them, like stuff happens. And we're also like busy people, <laughs> I think. Um, like, for example, recently, I just found out that the author of The Body Keeps the Score is um, a known child abuser. Um, and I was so shocked and felt, uh, of course, so guilty that I have recommended that book and that I hold that book dearly. Like, and at the same time, like, could I have done research before I recommended it? Yes, maybe I should have. And it's something that I will keep in mind moving forward. But, you know, we're not perfect either. And I learned that because someone recommended it. And then someone responded to that person and was like, what the fuck? (laughs) And she was like, sorry, but also like, give me a break. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that's just something I've been thinking of. Anyways, (laughs) to be magnetic. um, I like their work about focusing on the scientific side of manifestation and spirituality. Um, And they kind of focus on that subconscious mind and, and why manifestation works at that level. I also think it's important to think about the aspect of co-creation in manifestation. I think some people who teach it do empathize, em- emphasize that. Some people don't. Um, Gabby Bernstein is the first person that I started to follow who talked about this. So I, she's not the first person to talk about it for sure. But um she talked about how it is a, it is a relationship. It is co-creation. So you do have to put in your effort as well. Like you, you have to look for the sofa. You have to, you know, whatever that looks like you have to put in the effort on your part too, instead of just thinking it's, it's all going to come free flowing to you. Like it has to be a, a collaboration, which I really like. Um, my thoughts about Gabby Bernstein, I could just save that for later, but I feel a little disappointed in her the more I've been like kind of following her and like consuming all of her stuff. I think she's great. I I really do. I agree with a lot of the stuff she says, and she will always hold a special place in my heart because she was the first person to like not the first person, but the first book that I read that was like, "Oh, there's this part, (laughs) there's this thing about spirituality. It's not just like Christianity. So I will always be grateful for that. And I'll be really grateful for the fact that she recommends therapy and she references like scientific and um, proven methods for anxiety and self-care. Like that means a lot to me and that's very important to me. Um, Yeah, I just have like some doubts about some things. I don't know how I got on that tangent. Anyways. I I kind of feel like it's impossible not to go on tangents when you're recording solo like this, because it's just me talking over here. So I feel like it's kind of common to just start going on little tangents. Um, I really like and don't like the way that control shows up in the manifestation realm. Um, I think it can be a really great reminder to release control and to kind of have that trust in the universe or whatever it is that you're believing in or, you know, asking for guidance from. I think that can be really great. Um, And at the same time, it can kind of feel like control. I think there is a sense of control when you think you know what's best for you, Um, when you think that you can like kind of plan things out and that everything's gonna go according to your plan. When in fact, there may be a better plan. There may be something that's better for your life or something, maybe you're trying to push something that's just really not in alignment with you or, or what's best for you. And I think that we tend to think that we know what we want. And it can also be like a controlling, there can be a controlling nature to that because sometimes mm, I think, we use that to like, we forget that other people have autonomy. And the example that I really came to about this was I was applying to a job. It was going to be a part-time job. So I mean, like in, in retrospect, I'm very grateful I didn't get it because it would have meant like 10 to 12 hour days because I wasn't going to quit my other job and I don't want to quit doing this. So <laughs> I was just going to be adding a part-time job to everything. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful it didn't happen. But regardless, um, I was really manifesting that. I was visualizing and asking and believing and waiting to receive. Um, and I was doing all the things and I was putting all my intention. I was writing everything out. Um, and then I didn't get the job. Which again, good, good, good. But then I started thinking, well, if I was man, like, because my first thought was I didn't manifest good enough or hard enough, which is like capitalism and productivity kind of in there too, right? Like, you have to hustle at manifesting. You have to do it, um, like, like all this time, you have to write these things over and over again. Like, you have to, you have to work at it, which already. I feel like that's another way that internalized capitalism is showing up, and toxic productivity culture is showing up. So that's something to be very weary of. I know a friend was telling me her manifestation, um, like what she was doing at first, and she was like, "I was spending hours a day writing and saying the things out loud, and that was just too much for me." And it's too much for anyone. Like that's 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 a that seems to me to border on a fixation, not, not against her. That's what she was taught to do. But I think a lot of people do that. And that can feel like a fixation that also gets you really out of the present moment to always be thinking about what you're calling in for the future, trying to imagine what it's going to be like when you're going to get it. Um, yeah, like that's, that's really future oriented thinking, which I'm all about goal setting. I'm all about future orientation. Um, but at the same time, the future doesn't exist and right now exists. The present moment is what matters and what is so sacred. And when we're constantly manifesting the future, we're not in the present moment. So there is that balance again. Um, and if you're just only ever in the present moment, never making goals, never thinking things through, never making a plan, like that's also not so great and not so helpful, right? So again, nuance. <laughs> um But yeah, so I was like, I didn't do this good enough. I didn't do this hard enough. I didn't do it enough times or whatever. Um, But then I started thinking like, well, what if other people were manifesting this too? Because it was a type of job where it would attract people like me (laughs) uh, who would want to manifest this and and think about that. So I'm thinking like, let's say there are like 20 people manifesting. They were going to get the job after the third interview. And so like, is is just one of us going to be the best at it? And then also, if that's the case, what about the people interviewing? Like, like to say that I, I myself am powerful enough to manifest them to choose me and not everyone else is creepy. Like it, it's creepy. It doesn't feel super consensual. It feels like I'm stripping them of their power and autonomy it's, it feels like I'm trying to will them to do some. Basically, I was trying to will them to do something. I was trying to will them to pick me. I was trying to send out my energy to be the most magnetic or whatever so they would pick me. And maybe that's not how some people would see it. But I think when your manifestations require other people to make decisions and actions in order to get you or give you that manifestation, I think it can definitely border on not consensual and I some people might say it's just not possible and I also think it is possible and that's something dangerous too like in my witchcraft I am very very I have a lot of boundaries I have a a lot of values that go into that um not everyone does there are some people who practice things on other people without their consent they may even do like kind of dark cursing, hexing type magic. And maybe there's even a time and place for that. It's never, there's never a time and place for that for me. Those are just my personal opinions. Um, and if that's kind of the like code of magic or witchcraft that I go off of, then I also need to follow that in manifestation as well. And I mean, here's the thing I feel like people are like manifesting stuff and like, they don't think it's witchy or magic, but I'm like, it totally is. Um, I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole. Cause I could, but I mean, it's the same way of like, I've seen like Catholic practices and rituals and one, a lot of it stolen from both indigenous practices and pagan practices, which can be indigenous depending on, you know, where you're at. Um, but I digress. (laughs) Like more is, more is magic, more is witchy than people like think of. But anyways, um, yeah, there's, there's that piece to autonomy and and respect and um, consent. Like, like, are you manifesting someone else to do something without their consent? Mm, I don't know. Um, I'm gonna move on. (laughs) Um, So I was curious, where this came from because I've also heard people say like this is a a really ancient practice and I've also heard it be like this is very recent (laughs) and I think the secret like super popularized the law of attraction and totally capitalized on it and encouraged other people (laughs) to think about it as capitalism too. Um, So something that I found said that the myth is that William Walker Atkinson Um, created the Law of Attraction in 1906, or founded it, but the truth is that the Law of Attraction is something that Western society has named this, but the practice could date back nearly 4,000 years to Hindu scriptures, and they put some examples, so I'm going to read those. The first example, and this comes from a Hindu scripture, um, says, that person who desires for objects of pleasures, by contemplating on their properties, gets born along with those desires among those objects of pleasures. The second example was, from it the universe comes forth, in it the universe merges, and in it the universe breathes. Therefore a man should meditate on, oh I don't know, Brahman with a calm mind. Now verily a man consists of will, and he wills And he wills in this world, so does he become, when he has departed hence. Let him with this knowledge in mind form his wit. That's very beautiful. Um, And the last one that they reference is whatever destinations and objects of pleasures, the man whose mind is free from impurities, he obtains those destinations and those objects of pleasures. And then their other example was the misconception was that... Nikola Tesla discovered the importance of the numbers 369. And the truth, (laughs) the truth is that they brought the idea to the West influenced by um, a friend of theirs who was an Eastern yogi who brought Vedic philosophy and religion to the West. So, there's actually more, which is really interesting, um, but I'm not going to read all of it. If you want to look at it, the um, title is Manifestation A Tutorial from Hindu by Mandira uh, Gauda, I think is how you say their name, but I'm not totally sure. So if I got any of that wrong, I apologize. Um, so yeah, I think that's really interesting and also kind of leads back into those conversations we've been having about like new age spirituality and cultural appropriation and how, you know, it is. I think there's a balance there too, where I do think it's cool and and helpful and beneficial that we are taking Eastern practices and integrating them into the West and and allowing the wisdom of those practices to heal us and to help us shift away from all the things that aren't so great about the West, um, like I do think that's good. And I, I do think even if it is sometimes Westernized, and I shared this with with yoga a couple weeks ago or, or two weeks ago, maybe. Um, was it last week? I don't even remember. No, two weeks ago. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, like, I think it's okay. like, I think as long as we're still benefiting and spiritually growing and evolving, I do think there is a level of it being fine. I'm not saying it always is fine, certainly not. But um, yeah, I think, but I also don't think we have that balance. I think when it's especially like capitalized on in a really intense way, like I know so many like white people on the internet who are like manifestation coaches or yoga teachers and also like I'm not saying that you can't be a white yoga teacher totally can that's fine but like I think the majority of people profiting from it are white people who live here um and are from here like you know that's where it starts to feel icky and then I think really minimizing those practices are also where it gets really icky like there is going to be that level of misunderstanding um but when we really crudely misunderstand it or don't make an effort to understand it and are just ignorant to those things, um, and then teach on them with our ignorance. I think that's where it can be so detrimental. Um, yeah, that could also be another conversation too. Um, I want to talk about the manifest destiny movement. So I have permission. I asked permission to share this post um from seeking with sattva or sattva. Um, she's awesome. She has a great um Instagram page and I'll link it in the show notes. Um, but I, I really recommend it. And she talks about like new agey stuff and, and the the shadow sides of a lot of this. Um, and she that's where I learned about manifest destiny. I'm just going to read from this. The shadow side of manifestation doctrine is deeply embedded in America's dark history. This doctrine has its roots in the manifest destiny prosperity gospel that white settlers used to justify colonialism because they believed they were the chosen ones of promised lands. And she has a, a snippet of America's manifest destiny in 1845 from John O'Sullivan or Sullivan. Um, Manifest Destiny became a powerful slogan to pillage, rape, and conquer Native lands and justify American expansionism. Also, like, there's some creepy stuff in some religions that have this background too, but I'm not going to get into that either. Um, This slogan was also used as a racial doctrine to justify racial superiority of the white Anglo-Saxon Protestants over non-white and or Native people. She also cites articles for that as well. Um, let's see. They also borrowed heavily from 19th century European, especially German, quote-unquote science and Romanticism, which stressed that descendants of true Aryans would rule over inferior people of the world. Um... The next slide says, in order to build these newly conquered lands, the Manifest Destiny Prosperity Gospel was also used to inspire the Protestant work ethic that promised a direct path between hard work and material wealth in pursuit of the American dream. This is what Max Weber, or Weber, probably Weber, a German sociologist, economist, and politician talks about in his famous book, The Protestant Ethic and the Spirit of Capitalism. Oh, boy. This bizarre way of sacri- sanctifying capitalism and spiritualizing success is what journalist Chris Lehman, Lehman calls, it, calls the money cult. Ooh, I'll have to read. I'll have to read about that. That sounds interesting. Um, or read about that more. The manifest destiny Pros- prosperity gospel gained significant popularity during the during the New Thought movement of the early nineteenth century, that was based off the teachings of American mesmerist Quincy. Um, he spread the manifest destiny gospel through the belief that any illness can be overcome by the will of God. Ooh, that wasn't even on my list to talk about. I kind of forgot about that. <laughs> I'm making a note in real time to come back to that. Um, this belief backed by Darwinism was the basics of basis for American eugenics movement of the late 19th century that tried to eliminate so-called social ills through involuntary, involuntary sterilization of individuals deemed unfit. Next slide. New Thought Movement also birthed the Mind Cure Doctrine, also known as Faith, Cure, and Christian Science. This doctrine was based on the notion that one can tap into an abundant supply of resources, wealth, and health at will. Um, I'm going to skip a little bit. This is where the new age movement comes in. She, this is seriously so awesome. She's so informative um, and like very likable too. Um, The new age movement is a direct offshoot of the new thought movement in which the law of attraction manifestation doctrine is a modernized and repackaged version of the manifest destiny prosperity gospel. Um, There's a picture of what's his face on there. Joel Olstein, but <laughs> you create your reality trope, makes similar claims, and has a level of superiority and authority equal to God. Interesting. In New Age, God is replaced with universe mm-hmm. to tap into a new market segment of spiritual but not religious. <laughs> Me, um, let's see where we are at today. The Great Spiral of Self-Destruction. Oh my gosh, so good. The same. I mean, not so good, but like a great way to say that. (laughs) Not like, yahoo. The same ideologies of exceptionalism, blind optimism, superiority, and hubris that built America are responsible for its self-destruction and downfall. Mm -hmm. The hyper-individualist, yeah, that's so true. didn't even think about that. Mindset of I get to be, do, and everything I want and deserve functions off the manipulation, Mm -hmm. domination, coercion, and control of nature and other human beings. Oh, that's interesting. Um, We are operating in a separatist, fragmented, and duality-bound consciousness that reflects the social and political infrastructures that we've built. These infrastructures of social, political, and economic hate and violence are spiraling us into worldwide economic collapse, mass poverty, and environmental degradation on a global scale. She also says that where we are at today is social Darwinism in action. Ooh. Oh my God. So good. (laughs) One such infrastructure is the wellness industrial complex. I think there needs to be another episode about that, uh, which contributes to the manifest destiny gospel of legalized discrimination and moral violence. Um, in the same exact gospels that white settlers use to pillage and destroy native lands in the name of a higher calling is circulating through its industry as new age coaches and self-help gurus, which like, red fucking flag there, someone calls themselves that, that aren't actual gurus, um, are building their own mini empires in the name of wealth empowerment. Oh, like hashtag money coaches, man, or like business coaches. Just went on a rant about that today. <laughs> um, yeah, that's actually, I'm going to save the rest of the post for you to read through <laughs> on your own, but I That is such valuable information and I think really informative (laughs) to know that the word manifest has those ugly roots and has those ugly, um, yeah, ugly roots, ugly meanings, um, and that they've rationalized so much. It's really good to know. Um, it feels icky to know for sure, um. What was it? Well, um, I love the point about individualism. I didn't put that together. That you're like really centering what you want, me, 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 and I can see that too. <laughs> this is again total tangent. I'm not gonna try. I'm gonna try not to go on. Um, is like the self care isn't selfish movement, which like I love, and I I think that reminder is so needed for people. Um, certain people, especially who. You know, really need that message, and also, I've seen that also become like a very individualized way of thinking, that like it's my way or the highway. You know, boundaries that are are maybe not permeable enough or that are too rigid. I have had the experience with others, and then something I'm going through right now, realizing in myself that my bound, that other people's boundaries with me have. Bridged on controlling and like demanding, um, and can be abusive. Like there can be that aspect as well. Again, nuance, super important. And I'm realizing that myself, like, is this a standard and a healthy expectation or am I just trying to control exactly what they say and how they say it? Because that's not boundaries. Right. Um, but yeah, I should talk about that at another time. I already so much time spent. <laughs> um, Yeah, I'm going to put a pin in that. I really love the comment about how it's been popularized that you can like heal your, heal your suffering, heal your illness, heal physical pain. And I have so many thoughts about this. I'm surprised I didn't make a note to talk about it. Um, Because I do, I do believe that. I do believe that sometimes our physical pain can be from emotional suffering. I do think that there can be ways that through spiritual and emotional and mental healing, we can also heal our physical bodies. I I 100% think that. Um, And I've seen it work for myself. I've seen it work for others. I've helped people through it. I remember one client, she kept saying like, I have this pain in my back and my shoulder and it feels like a knife in my back. And I've tried all of these things. I've tried Uh, going to the chiropractor and getting a massage and whatever, and going to the doctor, nothing's working. And so I did this experience where she went to that pain and and felt it and felt emotions. And she immediately started to cry and she went into what she thought it was. I'm not going to tell you, (laughs) Um, but um, stop trying to make me tell you. Um, Just being silly. Um, and she said at the end of the session, like, the pain went from a high number on the scale to a very low number on the scale, and that was the first time she'd ever seen any relief. Um, and so stuff like that makes me absolutely believe that there is that psycho-spiritual somatic, right? I mean, that's what somatic stuff is all about, right? And at the same time, I think it ex- discourages people from getting the health care that they need, from getting the medication that they need, Um, Oh man, I don't want to go into this, but I'm going to, (laughs) I think the anti-vaccination movement can be like from people on the radical right and the like more like spiritual hippie left side. Um, And I thought that was really interesting until I started thinking about this, that I think there's a lot of misinformation. Like I'm not worried about this thing. I don't need this medication. I don't need this treatment because I'm in control and I can do it all. like individualist in that way too um it's like the same mentality that prevents people from getting therapy sometimes too but um like i don't think that's so good i like don't think your thoughts and emotions and spiritual intentions can solve everything there has to be a balance with this stuff and healthcare is no exception like i believe doctors And medical people and researchers are so special and they're doing such important work and they are so necessary and consulting them is so necessary. Um, so I don't know where the balance is. Um, I think everyone has to find that balance for themselves, um, and find what feels good for them, right? Like, like lean into what feels right, what feels like a yes and what feels icky, um, Because I think that's where you'll find that balance. But yeah, I'm not going to go further down that rabbit hole. But I think that's a great point that she made. As I began the journey of shifting my career to a job that aligned with my values and beliefs, Having an education in health coaching has been transformational. Through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, you can become a certified health coach to empower your relationship with food, health, and wellness, live your dreams, earn while you learn, and embark on a new path. Join the global community of like-minded change agents who are here to empower, inspire, and motivate you to create the life you've always dreamed of by clicking the link in the show notes. And by doing so, you'll receive $2,000 off tuition when you pay in full or $1,500 off tuition if you choose the payment plan option. Or you can mention my name, Samantha Nagel, spelled N-A-G-E-L. Discover how to take a holistic and nourishing approach to health and wellness today. And I'm going to try and wrap this up <laughs> in a little bit. Um, so I want to talk about the idea of vibrations. So part of the law of attraction manifestation stuff uses this idea of the vibrational scale and that some emotions and feelings and thoughts are high vibrational and some are low vibrational. I have like a lot of thoughts about this and I said I'm trying to wrap it up so we'll see how I do with that. Um, I again don't fully disagree and one way that I love to use that scale is to climb up the scale. And I learned that from Gabby Bernstein, who I think learned that from Abraham Hicks, which I'm going to get to, by the way, time or not, um, is, is going up the scale and going from fear to worry. And I don't have it on me, but like kind of incrementally going up the scale. I think that is a great tool. Um, I think it's a great tool because it helps us really name our experiences and our emotions with a lot of specificity. I think it helps us see our progress and not that, okay, I'll get into that. It helps us see our progress and our growth because a lot of the times we're like, I've been, you know, just so angry for X amount of time, like I'm not getting better and to see like, oh, like I'm making these incremental little jumps. That's really cool to see. Like, I think that's super helpful about it. And then, yeah, I think, On one level, sure, it's true that like, is it better to be rooted in love than it is fear? For sure. (laughs) Um, Like, I definitely think that's true. Like, do we want to try and be content over miserable? Yeah, obviously. Um, So I do think there, like, it does have that going for it, right? So again, basically TLDR, I don't know. (laughs) But, um, I think it's also can be really unhealthy first when we label feelings or emotions as good and bad, when we label anything as good and bad, we're probably not going to be doing so good in the long run. I just did it there. Interesting. But, um, overall, I I mean that, (laughs) um, when we start to label things as good and bad, we're having black or white thinking. We're also having fearful thinking. for like, oh no, you know, I'm slipping down the scale. You're inviting in fear. You're rooting yourself in fear instead of acceptance. And also there's nothing wrong with sadness. You know, thinking of like, let's say someone in your life passes away or you're grieving a breakup, like it's absolutely great to feel sad and it's necessary to feel sad. Um, and that doesn't mean that you're in like a low vibration state. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong or bad with you when in fact being in a place of sadness is exactly what you need. Or, you know, with the Roe v. weight stuff, super trying to embody my sacred rage, um, And rage is, of course, lower on the scale than the other ones. Um, But actually like going through that rage is what's going to be super healing for me. And maybe it's like not so helpful if you're sad, only sad for the rest of your life or like 90% of your life. Like, you know, is that good? I don't think so. Do I want to be angry all the time? No. Um, So yeah, again, balance, but Feeling our feelings and acknowledging where we're at without judgment and just accepting it and being with it is like, I think the pathway (laughs) to most of our healing is when we can accept ourselves and not judge ourselves. Really, really. I think if people could learn one thing from coaching or my podcast, that would be it. That would be it. So I'm going to not go down that path too much. Um, So yeah, that's my beef with like the vibrational aspect of law of attraction. I want to talk about the creating your own reality and, and the post from, my gosh, Marty, Seeking with Satva, Satva, um, went over this a little bit. Um, she has more that definitely go over this. Um, I think it's true to an extent that we do create our own reality. I think maybe a more, gentle or realistic way to say that is our perspective influences the way that we see and interact with the world. Our past experiences influence how we see things, how we act about things, how we see people. You know, is that super catchy? No. (laughs) Um, So if I have like, a really negative mindset, if I'm constantly seeing the negative in things, if I'm someone who's kind of complaining constantly, like, is, am I going to, quote-unquote, create a reality that's a bit more negative than someone who kind of takes it as it comes, has an open mind, doesn't see things as bad, um, doesn't really complain, feels pretty grateful, like, that person's reality is probably going to be a bit more positive, for lack of a better word, or for simplicity's sake. So, yeah, I absolutely think so, and I, I've totally met those people who are like they just have something to complain about, or someone to complain about. Um, you know, people are always screwing them over, and like, and sometimes I, you know, I can get to the point of like, who's the common denominator there? You know, so I do think it's true in that extent, sure. And, like, second, um, it's also okay to, like, complain at times. It's okay to not think everything sunshine and rainbows. It's okay to admit that things suck. It's okay to admit that things are hard, right? Like, admitting that things are hard or admitting that you're mad or just having a day where you need to vent, that's not going to, like, manifest more of that into your life, you know? Um, Gosh, this is taking... Maybe this should have been two parts. Who knows? Um, and then third, which is like the big one is you create your own reality, completely ignore something huge. The thing that colors all of our reality, everyone's is all the stuff at a systemic level. So that includes racism. That includes fat phobia. That includes colonialism. That includes sexism. What is it called when people don't like gay people, etc? Homophobia, transphobia, like oppressive system, like all of that deeply creates our reality. And to say like it's also usually white people, white people privileged people who are saying that you create your own reality, right? Because they're not dealing with the same systems of oppression that other people are. And so, yeah, to them it is that easy, right? Those things create our reality more than our mindset does. I'm going to move on because I'm running out of time. Um, Also, trauma and abuse. Super not something that you manifested. And I've talked to people. I actually interviewed someone for this podcast and I said, like, oh, but you know, you don't manifest abuse, right? And she was like, well, and I was like, oh, oops, <laughs> can't air this, right? Um, but you like, there's a super common narrative that anyone who's in your life, any treatment that you're getting is because they're reflecting something in you, that something in you is attracting them, that you created this reality again. And that takes the, responsibility and the autonomy and the blame completely off the other person or people and onto you because there's something wrong with you as if as if survivors of abuse and trauma already don't have enough shame this is adding even more shame that like spiritually on a spiritual level you deserve this because this is what you're putting out and it's your fault just so 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 not true and so damaging um and i've literally like heard it so many times which is so disturbing um okay i also think that like the creating a reality shift instead of focusing on the systemic level um it really reminds me of big oil companies coming out with the campaigns of like look at what your footprint is you dirty dirty person um, so that they don't have to be responsible for their huge impact on the environment, which is bigger than yours for sure, bigger than most of ours combined. Um, It's also the way that big alcohol says that you can drink responsibly and it's actually your fault if you're a quote unquote alcoholic. Uh, It's the same way that the weight loss industry demonizes fat people and, and created an obesity epidemic, right? Like that all has something in common. Um, yeah, I'm almost done. <laughs> um, yeah, just like really shitty. We can see that overlap. Um, one, of, one of the last points that I had was just that randomness exists. <laughs> Definitely like a lighter point to end on, I guess, but, but I do think randomness exists. I don't think Gosh, I mean, just pause there, but like, how fucking tiring is it to constantly be aware of what you're attracting and what you're putting out there? And like, sometimes shit just happens. Sometimes things are just random. Not everything has a meaning. Not everything's your fault for sure. Um, yeah, like there is just randomness in the world. Since I do have time, I'm going to go over one other post by Seeking with Sattva or Sattva. I wish I asked before I said it, but um, she had a post called Why Manifestation Makes Us Miserable. She published it on April 19th. Um, The six reasons that it can make us miserable. The first one is emotional and psychological immaturity. This is similar to a little child saying, Daddy will reward me if I'm a good spiritual person. It also is like just the same as internalized patriarchy and uh, toxic religions, which are most of them. Um, Too stuck in the cycle of suffering. The nature of desire is that as soon as one desire is fulfilled, another one arises. So true. When are you ever satisfied? Again, living in the moment. Three, spiritual materialism. Four, delusional, illogical thinking that aren't grounded in reality. Um, yeah, very true. Five, limit spiritual growth. Mm, cool. Six, internalized shame. <laughs> Not cool, but good point. Six, internalized shame and blame. She also writes Who is financing the manifestation market? Super interesting. The wellness industrial complex. $4 trillion feeds into the self-help industry, feeds into the new age marketplace, like the law of attraction stuff, which feeds into the money cult and it goes around. I want to research money cult more because that's super interesting. The manifestation marketplace is a scam invented by the wellness industrial complex to indoctrinate, <laughs> adultery, <laughs> to indoctrinate you into a money cult. That's cool. Is that, I wonder if that's the same as internalized capitalism. I'm just going to throw that into the world and wonder if it'll answer its own question. Um, The manifestation coaches and law of attraction gurus are the social media ambassadors of this cult. This is not the reality we're after. A money cult looks like a book. So I'm really curious about that book. Sounds really interesting. but yeah, I think that's those are all really, really great points. And I also love the point that it's basically just like toxic Christianity repackaged <laughs> to the new age kind of like spiritual market. That's really interesting. Um, Yeah. Also, I make this point with like diets and the wellness or like the weight loss industry or the supplement industry. If, if weight loss products worked, then you wouldn't need to buy new ones. If... Like, why do you need to hire a manifestation coach if manifesting is something you can do on your own, which I think it is again, like I I do believe in it or I do believe in the idea of attraction and visualization. And I don't want to use the word manifesting after we learned its ickiness, but like for lack of better term, I do believe in that idea. (sighs) But like, why, why would you have to pay someone else to do it for you? You know what I mean? Like, why can't that be something that we explore on our own? I don't know, because then it wouldn't make as much money. So all this to say, especially as someone who does believe in the power of intention and magic and is a practicing witch, I do believe in the idea of intention setting, of attracting and, and using our energy and, yeah, doing that stuff. But I also think a lot of the ways that it's been capitalized and westernized and commercialized are just really icky and not helpful. (sighs) Yeah, I actually, when I started talking, I was like, I don't even know if this is enough to make up a full episode. And now I'm like, down to the wire. (laughs) Okay, well, that's all that I had. That's all. (laughs) I Um, I hope you enjoyed this and found it helpful. I know I basically just said, "Mm." Uh, but yeah, I hope you resonated with some of it or that it helped you think of things differently. And I hope you have a great rest of your day.